0: Welcome back to the show, everyone. My name is Amber Furman, and this is episode 58 of the More Than Corporate Podcast. Welcome back to the show, everyone. This week on the podcast, I have a really cool interview with Doug Cooper. Doug is the author of the award-winning novels Outside In and The Investment Club and the 2019 thriller Focus Lost. He's also the founder of Trebello, a creative and and business development firm dedicated to helping individuals and businesses convert ideas to results. Always searching, he has traveled to over 25 countries on five continents, exploring the contradictions between what we believe and how we act in the pursuit of truth, beauty, and love. Originally from Port Clinton, Ohio, he has also called Cleveland, St. Louis, Detroit, New York, Las Vegas, and Oslo, Norway home. Doug and I had an amazing conversation around what it's like to put your heart and soul into writing a book and the joys and pains that go along with that process. We talked about comparing it to songwriters because you guys know that I love songwriters and the similarities and differences between those two. We talked about the benefits of traveling around the world and the insight that that gave him to be able to write his books in different settings and really his desire and passion to help people understand some of the internal struggles that we go through that prevents us from attaining our true best in life, whether that be through the books that he's written or through his business development firm. Doug really dropped some major value on this podcast, and I am so excited that he took the time out of his busy schedule to share some of his insight with us. Before we jump into that interview with Doug, I would love to have the opportunity to connect with and get to know each of you guys on a deeper individual level. If you would like to be able to jump on a call and have a conversation with me about who you are and what you're doing and how I can add value to your mission and the projects that you have going on, I would love to have that conversation. I will drop my Calendly link in the show notes. Feel free to schedule a time for us to talk. I absolutely love connecting with people and just learning people's stories. And I would welcome the opportunity to be able to get to know you all a little bit more. So please feel free to take advantage of that Calendly link. And without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into my interview with Doug Cooper. Doug, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: I'm super excited. I think that based upon your bio that everybody just heard that you have some really exciting tidbits of information that is going to be really helpful to the audience. So what I'd like to do is just go ahead and have you start by talking a little bit about what it was like growing up in Ohio, and if you thought that you were going to be an author, I know that 's where you 're at now, but kind of what you thought your life was going to be like when you were a kid,
1: yeah, so I started out you know in in northern Ohio, and I grew up here you know and graduated high school and you know was an athlete and really into sports and and school, and you know had decided when I was you know, going through and, uh, you know, what do you want to be when you grew up? I decided I wanted to be a teacher and, you know, it was like, what do I want to teach? What do I want to teach? And, you know, being a 17 year old boy, you know, I was good at math and I really enjoyed English and writing. And, you know, being that 17 year old boy, I said, well, I don't want to grade all those papers. I'm going to go with what's easy. It'll be a lot easier to be a math teacher. So I actually started out as a, as a math teacher and went to, um, you know Miami University in Ohio, and got a math degree in in education, and then was, a, was an algebra pre algebra teacher for like five years and While I was doing that, I had moved to St. Louis and was going to St. Louis University and got a master 's in American Studies Um, because about my senior year in and at Miami I realized I made a mistake and I really wanted to to write so the left brain had dominated me for so many years and and then you know about that junior year in college the right brain kind of exploded and I was learning music and doing a lot of writing and I just realized oh no I I made a mistake here but again just trying to be efficient I said well I'm not starting over I want to get out and work and go live, go live some life. So I, I stayed the course. And then while I was teaching, I got this master's in American studies, which is interdisciplinary history, literature, um, philosophy, even some religion, because I did it at St. Louis university, which is a Jesuit school. So I was in a lot of classes with people studying to be priests and, you know, just really good perspective. And, and then, you know, from there, that's kind of when I, I left teaching and, and started, Uh, kind of started the adventure uh, into writing.
0: I love that you call it an adventure. I'm actually, I would love to say I'm in the middle of writing my first book, but that would be a gross overstatement. Mm -hmm. I'm in the very beginning of writing my first book, and adventure is definitely a description for it.
1: Yeah, and I think each step of the way, uh, you know, there's several milestones uh, along the way. You know, the first being, hey, I'm going to do this. And you know then, as you're going through it and you're writing, and you go through all that uncertainty self doubts uh, ups and downs, and to a point when you get that first you know that first draft that's pretty much a book you can you can feel it, and you think oh wow i I did this and and you definitely celebrate that, but each step it seems like that's what when the work really starts, like you get that first draft and then you realize, oh, I gotta edit it. And then, you know, you get you get to that where it's, oh, I think it's ready. And then you start sending it out to to agents and publishers. And, you know, then that's a grueling process. And then depending on, you know, whether you, you land an agent or, or publisher or you go a self-published route or an in-between route, then you're like, oh yes, I'm getting published. And then you have to sell the thing, and then that is when the real work starts. <laughs> so each time you feel this good, so that's why you kind of i i just get to the point where it's like, okay, that feels good and and you're kind of onto that next leg of the adventure that climb climb up the mountain and and you can kind of see there's a top up there, but each time you get to that next plateau you you see another uh you know another plateau up there, and then after you do one book, then it's okay, I'm going to do this again. And, and you go through all the same steps all over. And so I don't know if there's an end uh, to the journey, but it's, it's definitely an exciting one.
0: I think you just described life in a nutshell.
1: Yeah. Like- yeah. i tell you, there's so much that I've learned a- along the way. You know, people will ask, oh, would you, would you go back? And if you knew, you know how much work it is now would you go back and, and do it again? And, and, you know, some things I can't say I would, you know, I'm grateful for the lessons, but you know, the writing process and the developing the book and getting it out there and, and everything, I I do it again and, and I'm doing it again for the fourth time. So it's, it's definitely one I encourage, but you know, one of the things I recommend, you know, when people say, Oh, what's the bit of advice you have for writers? It's, make sure you have another source of income because it can put a lot of pressure on you if you're expecting to make a lot of money right out of the gate, you know, uh, with your books.
0: For sure. Um, so I have to go back for just a minute because when you were talking about your history, um, Mm. and you were talking about being a math teacher, I have to say, I think you're the only person on the planet. I've ever heard say that you thought math would be the easier route. So, um, I don't know whether that was would have been true had you not changed but I don't think I've ever heard any baby say that math sounds like the better route because it is certainly not for me.
1: Yeah, I just, you know, I I'd always had an aptitude and and was it just always really really came easy to me, so I just thought, oh, that's great and it was more the grading of the papers that I thought would be really difficult and now here I'm always editing and and kind of grading my own papers so it's just interesting the irony of you know what what I was shying away from is of eventually what um what I did but what I've found is you know it is kind of a right and left brain uh, duality that that I have but I bring a lot of structure really into my writing uh writing process and and just in in most projects and undertakings that I I embark on I mean I am I do look at it from a very structured and also with all the technology that's involved in things I mean all that math stuff really has helped me and with that kind of stuff as well
0: I'm sure I'm sure it's given you um, a much different um, perspective and also some additional knowledge and and education to move into this um, world of writing so, speaking of perspectives, when I think of Northern Ohio, I don't always think of the most diverse and um, culturally exciting places to be. So, as you went into this American studies, did you, had you had an opportunity to travel a lot before you started taking these classes? Or was this American studies kind of a way for you to see a whole bunch of different perspectives that were maybe a little abnormal to what you were used to? Or is my idea of Northern Ohio wrong?
1: Well, it's a little bit of, you know, it's, I wouldn't say it's, it's wrong, but there's a lot more, you know, than I think what, what people, what people realize. And, and for me, you know, I hadn't traveled a whole lot. I mean, growing up, you know, I had maybe been to Florida, you know, with with my grandparents and you know very very little travel so I had a very narrow you know very narrow view of of the world and you know my move to to St. Louis which is still midwest you know was a you know a pretty big departure uh for me and a pretty big move away from family and friends and kind of starting over and what i didn't realize you know was that was just the beginning because You know, from St. Louis, I came back to Cleveland for a little bit and then was in Detroit in the Ann Arbor area for about five years. Then I was in New York City for three years. Then I spent five years in Oslo, Norway. Then I moved to Vegas. I was there for four years and was at that point was like okay what's what's next am I staying in Vegas and I decided to kind of complete the loop and move back to the Cleveland Cleveland area and that was a couple of years ago so over about 20 20 some years I was moving every 3 to 5 years and I, I think also when I was in Norway and and the work I was doing was international focus so I was in 25 plus countries in in those 5 years and really did you know go from this pretty narrow view um, and understanding to having the, you know, privilege to really experience a lot of different uh, cultures, environments, experiences, you know, during, during that time.
0: Which I would think is extremely beneficial when you're trying to come up with things to write and things to say in the, in the fiction space.
1: Yeah. And that's really, for me, you know each opportunity that came up as i'm i was evaluating and, and anytime i i have a decision i usually look at it through a couple different scenarios and say one opportunity here's another opportunity i'm going to venture down the path a little bit in each one and then each time what experience is the right one it kind of chooses you and i know okay this is this is the way to go and each time I was like, oh, well, this will all fil- filter into good writing. And when I was in Norway, I was getting offered some opportunities to, you know, go to China and, and Thailand and, and do some work. And I thought, oh, that'll be really cool. But at the same point, I was like, "Man, I keep moving? You know, I really need to settle and focus. And at, at this point, I had had the draft of my first novel, Outside In, worked or written and was trying to get it published and said, I really need to get back to the U S and, and, and try to get this and get this going. You know, I can always travel more from there, but you know, I felt like, all right, it's, it's time to go back and, and take all these experiences and, and do it. And at that time I had this idea for a second book being in Vegas. So that's why I chose Vegas to go there and, and, and work on that.
0: It's interesting and it makes sense that you would choose to surround yourself with the culture and idea of what, of the setting of your book. That makes sense to me.
1: Yeah. For for me, the setting in, in all three of my novels is, is almost like another character. And I really like to bring that alive. Like in the first book, Outside In, it's set on an island in Lake Erie that a lot of people outside the area don't even know. And it's got a lot of historical significance and really work a lot of that in and in the second one set in in Vegas called the investment club. I lived there. And then while living in Vegas, my publisher rare bird books is based in Los Angeles. So I was going to Los Angeles and I had had a screenplay that I had written while I was in Norway set in Los Angeles and I started really working that idea when I would be, um, visiting LA, you know, take that trip across the desert and just walking the streets and really living it. And so bringing that perspective and also it was kind of important for me to you know, people say, Oh, well, you never lived in LA. And I said, Well, I kind of got to the point that I said, I can't keep moving every time I have a book idea. Otherwise, I guess I guess I could, and I would have a lot of great stories, but I was kind of becoming a bit weary of of moving and felt a bit of a calling to come back, come back home and just be more active in, in family life.
0: I can definitely understand that. Um, When you're moving constantly, it puts you in a position where you never really get to settle down and build real connections with people in your community. And I can see how that would kind of wear on you after a while.
1: Yeah. I mean, you build all this great experience and understanding and and perspective, but at, at what point, you know, you're just, you're, you're putting it in a in kind of storage and, and you're not using it. So it's nice to come back. And, and I recognize that the opportunities and, and abilities that I've, I've had, um, you know, I had a lot of support along the way and it was important for me to, you know, return and, and give back to, to that support network that had really lifted me up and kept me going for so many years.
0: Well, I don't know if this is a question that you're able to answer. It could could be a little bit difficult, or maybe you have a an idea in your mind. But do you have a favorite place that you've lived?
1: Uh, they're all so different, and you know, I I really believe you know us as individuals are in a combination of the places we've been and the people we've meet, we've met and interacted with. They all leave a little bit of a stamp and that kind of shapes who who we are so I don't know if I if I really have a a favorite um, place I can tell you that traveling wise there's there's three places that I just absolutely love and and those not in any particular order are are Rome I, I love Rome and just just the history and just the anonymity and just, just walking and, and, and the culture there. Uh, I love Tokyo. Um, I think that again, just kind of the order of, of Tokyo and the people and everything I just find so fascinating and just feel so, so comfortable. But again, just had a strong connection from, from times there. So those are probably my three favorite places that I've been and and continue to go back to.
0: That's awesome. So I want to take a minute to talk about your most recent book that just released in 2019, which is Focus Lost. Can you talk mm-hmm. a little bit about what that's about and um, kind of the inspiration behind it?
1: Yeah, so Focus Lost, you know, draws its title from the Milton... Um, Milton's Paradise Lost so it, 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 all of my books are all standalone they're very different but I I like to take um, other texts and historical texts and I kind of weave those in and, and, and texture in a lot of symbolism and and allegory and, and different uh, uh, themes and so forth and you know it's very fast paced it's it's written in present tense like i said i wrote it as a screenplay first because i wanted i wanted it to read like watching a movie being set in los angeles and it's about an actor uh his agent and a nature photographer and so the actor is represents the devil character from from Milton and the create, creation story. And the agent is the Eve character. And the nature photographer is the Adam character. So it's really a story about these three people in Los Angeles. And it's about the line between passion and obsession and how we can be so passionate about our lives and what we're doing, but it's easy to cross that line. And the same things that we're passionate about, we just become obsessed and we lose our focus, which is where the the, kind of the tie in between the the Milton and then the focus lost.
0: That sounds super interesting. And honestly, it sounds like something that we could all use on a daily basis. I know I mentioned to you that so many of my listeners are entrepreneurs and definitely getting obsessed by your passion is kind of the entrepreneurial problem. And then you move on to the next passion and the next passion. And so um, I could definitely see how that would be very valuable to, to read and take in.
1: Yeah. And I, I think it, it is, it's such a slippery slope and you know, the same things that we're, we're passionate about can also enslave us, you know, and I I always equate things to kind of that whole process to like digging, uh, digging a tunnel, right? If, if you're digging a tunnel, at some point you you have to just go underground and, you know, just, just dig. But if you only go underground and dig and never come up to check, you know, where you are and what you're, where you're going and and so forth, you know, you have a high risk of getting lost. You know, so that's I think it's important, you know, to get anything done. And that's kind of with my my book writing process. I try to do twenty-five pages a week. I don't put myself on a on a page quota per day because I just find that that puts too much pressure but i say okay basically 5 a day and i just have to do that five different days but if i don't feel like it 25 a day so that's about 100 pages a month when i'm doing a draft and I, and i don't do any editing while i'm writing it so it's that's kind of my tunnel digging right i just say all right i'm going to i'm going to start here i'm going to get to page 100 and and almost every time by page 100 i'm like oh my god this this just is terrible you know i call it throwing up on the page and that's all i feel like i'm doing and it's just oh man i just why why do i think i can do this all, all those all those things and then i get to that 100th page i stop and i go back and i start reading and oh you know what there there's some good stuff here i can i can work with that i can work with that and you know so then i just kind of repeat that cycle three times and you get to you know a 300 page the 300 page uh, project and then from there, it's just a matter of shaping and, and, and crafting it. But I think it's important to just at some point put your head down and, and go and not think, turn that editor off in your brain and just create and trust yourself. But then at some point, you have to let the editor come back and, and review and, and critique and, and make sure that you're staying true to your original vision.
0: That's really interesting that you say that because I – Write in a much different world in the legal world, um, because Mm I, I'm a practicing attorney, but I will never forget one of my, one of my first mentors telling me that there's no good writing, only rewriting. And he told me the same thing, like just write your brief and then go back and edit it later because otherwise you get caught on like something that you want to say. And it's very possible that what you're thinking of might naturally come out later on down the road and be better than what you expected it to be when you were sitting there in your head. Um, And so I see some real parallels between what you said and the way that I write very technical legal documents.
1: Yeah. I, I, I know everybody's process is different. um, But for, for me, that's exactly what, like I said, it's just a lot of times it's just Throwing up on the page and cleaning it up later. And I, when I first started, I, I hated editing. I just wanted to write. And, you know, my first novel, I think I sat down. I wasn't very structured. I was just writing, writing everything I ever thought and wove it into a, a story. And I ended up about 300,000 words, you know, and the final draft was like 75,000. So it was just bloated and, and, you know, just, just too, too much there. And, you know, so, so had to go back. And I think that's where I think there's a balance of, of just getting it down, but also um, not going too far that, that you're wasting time and spinning your wheels on some things.
0: Yeah. What was that like to cut what two thirds of what you had written out, did you struggle with feeling like you were throwing away work, or did it feel right to let go of it
1: yeah it you know at that point it was very difficult and that and that was probably my first novel was about ten years in the you know ten years in the in the process, as I said you know i got I got that master's in in American studies probably I was probably about 28 or 29 and say, Hey, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a writer. I had met these people down in Key West on a vacation who were from this Island in, in Lake Erie. And it's not very far from where I grew up, but at this point I had moved away and they said, Oh, well, you should come back for the summer. And I was a teacher. And I said, ah, you know, I I've moved on from there. And, but I decided, Oh, you know, I'll go back and I'll, I'll do that. And, I went back and I had this idea for the for the novel so um, and I started shaping it and shaping it and and doing that I just you know once I put it all down you know I thought all of it was good. And fortunately, with word processor you can kind of cut and stuff it away and so you don't feel like you're you're wasting it completely. But it it took it took a lot of time. I mean, because probably a couple of years just to get that draft done. But then like the editing probably took a couple more. And then, you know, the whole publishing, finding a publisher and everything, that probably took a good five or six years of, you know, just continually rewriting and getting feedback and saying, Okay, I gotta I gotta do that. And that's one one thing I learned is, you know, you sometimes or often a rush for feedback is a rush for negative feedback. So, you know, in in my haste of wanting to get this thing published, I pushed it out there before it was ready. And of course the feedback that I got back was, it's not ready, you know? And, uh, and, And so just that whole process took a lot of time.
0: I love that quote, a rush for feedback is a rush for negative feedback, because I feel like we do that so much in our lives where we just want to get to an end destination and then we don't produce the quality of product that we, we want to produce. And that spans across the board in so many different areas.
1: Yeah. One of the toughest things is you know, to know when is something done, right? I mean, what, what is done when it, when, it, when is your project, whatever you're, you're working on, on done, you know, and, and you can, you can just spend so much time and, and there is a certain point people say, Oh, how do you know when a book's done? I go, well, you know, technically it's probably n- never truly done. Cause you would always tweak little things here and there, but you start getting into that nine, what I call like the 90 percentile of of completeness, you know, where you're about 96, 97, 98% of where you could spend hours and hours trying on those next two to 3%, but you're, it's just not very efficient. You'd be better off working on something, something new, you know, so you just kind of get to the point where you're comfortable with the message and what you're, what you've said and what you've done and, and you just, you let it, you let it go.
0: I'm interested to know, because we talk a ton on this podcast about comfort zones and Um, getting out of them and kind of putting yourself out there. And there's a couple of professions that I think embrace that. Um, Songwriters are one of them for me Mm. and authors. And so I'm interested to know what it was like for you when you took that product that you thought was ready and sent it off to somebody. And the feedback that you got back was maybe not what you were expecting. So I guess there's a couple different parts to this. Number one, like, it takes so much courage to put down your thoughts and your content on a piece of paper and then give it to somebody else to critique. So can you talk a little bit about how you pushed yourself to that point and then what it, how you push yourself through the feedback process?
1: Yeah, it's, it's definitely challenging to go from, you know, I was always a journal writer, you know, that's how I got my start and I just wrote in in my journals and I would I would just write and I would like hide my journals right oh I don't want anybody to read this I can't you know gotta do this and you know I gotta hide this and, and keep that and I remember I left it one day somewhere and I freaked out oh somebody's gonna get this and, and read it and then that kind of process I was like started to realize when I was writing in this journal I was writing it to some other right and this was to a reader. I kind of realized that's what I was I was doing. I didn't really, you know, know who who it was, but I realized, hey, I'm writing all these pages with the hope and thinking that somebody's going to read them at some point. So that was a big that was a big step, and you know, realizing that it, it is scary. But also that's why you're doing it. You're doing it for something. You have something that you wanna say, that you wanna create, that you wanna share with with other people, that there's some value you think, you know, whether it's entertaining entertaining or you know there's there's something that can help people from knowledge or you know bring some some other joy to their life or whatever but you you you're creating something for some value of uh, of people and ultimately you kind of realize hey i'm i'm doing this for that and i want to share that now that being said you know that that sounds good but it still is it still is so hard and then once it's out there and, you know, and you get the reviews and, you know, there's not too much you can, you know, even if you don't agree with the reviews, you know, there's no recourse you, you really have. It's, I, I read all my reviews and I try to understand and look at it from that, that perspective. But, I mean, even after three books, you know, if I go on Amazon and read a review, somebody gave it two stars or three stars. At least it still hurts, you know because it is a piece of you, and you 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 put so much so much into it um and 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 put it out there, and you have let it go and there's and there's nothing you can do it's just for other people then to to read it and consume it and and to kind of give it life
0: on the other side of that coin, it must be extremely fulfilling when you get a positive review back from somebody who has taken what you've written and it has made an impact on their life as well.
1: Yeah. There's, there's a couple, um, just recent things that have happened. One one was a review that they really just completely understood what I, you know, kind of what I was trying to execute with, with the novel, which is really rewarding because, you know, it's, it's almost like they were right there, um, you know, and, 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 were with me when I was creating it. That's so that it just really landed with them. The other thing was a really random, uh, random thing. And, and, you know, I have a bunch of quotes and different things that are, are out there and they'll pop up at the strangest time. And I got a, like a notification on Instagram that, you know, I had been tagged or something and somebody had found, um, had found this quote, you know, by me and they wrote this long essay on it. You know, and it was about identity, you know, um, and, and how that really helped them accept who they are and, and, and their sense of identity. And that was one of the coolest things that, that has happened. I mean, that'll get me through a lot of dark days, knowing that, you know, somebody, not, not only they really connected with that quote, but that they took time and really thought about it and wrote this essay. And, and that was, that's pretty cool. Like I said, that'll that'll get Get me through a lot of valleys.
0: That's awesome. So, for any of the listeners out there who are either thinking of or in the beginning of their book writing journey, what advice would you have for them?
1: Yeah, I, you know, the outside the kind of half joking one, you know, just you know the, the the you know follow your you know follow your passion. You know, a lot of people will say once they know that you're you're writing. They'll have a lot of great book ideas for you. Oh, I got this great idea for a book. You know, you should you should write this book. And I'm like, oh, you know what? That is a great idea. You should you should write it. I mean, you have to believe and be so passionate about. Uh, what you're writing to get through uh, to the end, because it is a really lonely process, and you mentioned singers songwriters uh, before and and there is a lot of parallels between being a writer and and doing that but one one main difference is as a, as a writer you're you play to an empty room every day, and you really don't get any feedback, and the hardest thing to get is feedback, even when you're sending your your stuff out. Um, you know, people say, oh, not right for me. And you don't know if they think that because it really isn't. I mean, maybe they're looking for a different type. Maybe they're looking for thrillers and you're writing literary or, or whatever, but, or they just might not like it, but they don't say. So you don't know if you've just completely missed or. So getting that feedback is, you know, when we ask friends and family to read and, 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 they give us some feedback and, but again, it's through a lens, they care about us and, and it's, it's really, it's really tough. So um, I I think, you know, that passion um, is what's going to get you through, whether it's you do get some bad feedback, you get no feedback, whatever, but you're going to need that, that motivation and that inspiration. And that's only going to come from the love of, of what you're writing about and and what the core of your story or your company or, or whatever, whatever you're creating.
0: That's so important. And on that note, I mean, friends and family are the worst people to ask for any advice that matters Um, because either they're not going to be honest or if they are honest, you're going to take everything offensive because they're your friends and family. And how dare they say that to you? So I, um, I love my friends and family, but I normally don't trust them with decisions that I need an honest opinion on
1: yeah it's really it's so so tough and some people like uh you know if you if you can get in a good writer's group, that's a great way um but it's they're really hard to find, and you know writing conferences and so forth there's a lot of great options because you know hiring editors um you know like any consultant is, can be quite pricey, you know, and, and, uh, and, and it can be expensive to, to do that. So um, to get a real professional to look at it can be tough, but there's a lot of good services. There's, uh, you know, ways to do it, but, you know, even asking other writers uh, is, is difficult because writers are so into their own work that they're pouring so much into theirs they don't have that much time and and somehow you know writers are really good about making stuff about their project like you can ask them a question about something you're working on and before you know it you're talking about their book
0: yeah, yeah. i mean that's human nature as well too yeah, but yeah. um So as far as, I know one of the questions that I get asked a ton when I'm talking to people about writing is the self-publishing versus sending it out for publishing route. Do you have an opinion on which way is better for a new author or the pros and cons of each?
1: Yeah, it's you know there's so many options um there there's so many options now uh you know not just self publishing, you know traditional publishing, um independent publishers and then everything in between there's even one called a hybrid publisher now where it's in between like an independent publisher and a self published where you kind of partner with the the publishing company and you put up some of the money they put they're a bit more selective in the projects they take on they don't just take every one that that somebody's going to pay for so they might take three percent of all the books that come in but you know you're paying and sharing in the cost for a greater share in the in the um in the royalties so ultimately i think it's it really depends on, on what, you, what you want to do. As a first-time author, you know, it's really tough to go traditional, uh, tra- the traditional publishing route. I mean, there you almost have to get an agent and, um, and, and go that. So, the, so it's, that's really difficult. And, and then you kind of just work back. Whichever route you go, um, you have to do a ton of marketing for yourself. I mean, you really are, uh, a, a small business. And like I say when your first book comes out, you're a small business that has one product on the shelf and, you know, you really got to build and then, you know, you, you might be able to merchandise and do some other things around that book, whether it's audio or, or, um, you know, some foreign rights titles, some other things, how you can, you can do that, but you really have one core product. And then your second book, you do that. So, and, and you're competing with books every month that come out. So you, you really have to, you know, focus on your audience and, and, and do a lot to uh, keep that going. So whichever route that you go, a lot of people think, Oh, if I go traditional, I won't have to do as, as much, of the marketing and, and you know which isn't which isn't true. I mean, the, the bigger the company, the more they might do, but in the end, you're going to be your best marketer. And I, I always say, I, I started out to be uh, an author, and along the way, I've become a marketer, a website designer, you know, a strategist, of you know, just everything that you you do because. You know your idea better than than anyone, and it is expensive to hire people it is tough to convey and no one's going to put as much passion into your your stuff as, as you do. so you pick up all these these uh, kind of traits indirectly because you know you're responsible for it.
0: Yeah. And I can imagine that that marketing, I mean, you, you have to market yourself either way. You either market your book at the end or you market yourself to the publisher, but publishers aren't in the business of just taking on people because you knock on the door. So you got to sell yourself somehow. It just matters whether you want to do it on the front end or the back end.
1: Yeah. And that's what the the research shows. What you're really selling is yourself. I mean, it's even like with fiction, Um, you know, people will read and they want a good story. But if they like the story, they immediately go to the author and they want to know more about the author. And then they'll buy, you know, every every book that that comes out, you know, as long as there's a, a reasonable level of quality to it. But you know, they'll just really connect and and so as much as us writers who are who are introverts you know, want, you know, to just stay in our, in our, in our rooms and, and write, you know, the people want to, people want to know you and understand you and, and what, you know, what you think and, and, and your process. So the more you can share about yourself, the more you'll connect with your audience.
0: I love it. Um, And that's really where so much of Our conversations on this podcast about, you know, being authentic and getting out of your comfort zone and all of that really comes into play because, you know, you can't get that type of connection with somebody that you need to if you're not willing to show up as who you really are. So what I want to do is move into your consulting company. I know that you have um, a company where you work with businesses and I'd like to have you tell a little bit about that um, Trebello company.
1: Yeah, so I, as I said, you know, I was, I kind of went from being a math teacher, and then I kind of went the starving artist route for a few years while I was working on that first novel and realized it didn't really work for me. And I was looking for something that I could do to make some money to be more scheduled. So I started doing technical writing. And then that kind of evolved into project work, and into more like supply chain, logistics, different, really kind of business type stuff. And um, and doing that became uh, you know developed this consulting skill set. So again, as I was coming back from from Norway and thinking about okay, how, you know what do I want to do? I'm going to work on these books and want to do this. So I, I came up with the idea for Trubelo, which T R U B E L O. And that's short for truth, T R U, beauty, B E, and love, L O. And I wanted to, you know, I kind of realized that the cross section of everything that I was doing is around this, this idea of truth, beauty, and love. And that was really what was kind of at the core of my life and driving. And I realized that I had a, an ability to take some rather abstract concepts and make them into more of a a tangible, executable, tactical plan. So as I was going through, I realized, hey, you know, there's a lot of great ideas out there that people would like to do something with that they're very passionate about, but they're just not sure how to get started. So that's really what Troubelo is all about. It's about converting ideas to results. And I work with everything from, you know, writers, artists, um, small businesses, entrepreneurs up to, you know, some pretty big, um, banking clients and, um, you know, construction, agricultural, some, some pretty big companies. So having a lot of, uh, different experience across the, the big companies. What I try to do is some of that, what I learned working with the big companies, I try to bring it down the, the, the core of it, how that can help maybe an entrepreneur or a small business, you know, how obviously they don't have time to create this elaborate, you know, business strategy, but how, you know, how can they get a core business strategy that can help drive their business and and decision-making and, and so forth. So that's really what, what, what TrueBelow is and, you know, work with, like I said, just a variety of companies, everything from, you know, maybe a a few hours a month to, to bigger. And if you, on my website, which is TrueBelow.com, Um, there's some more info and and different examples of of project types uh, that I do.
0: Perfect. And if you had um, kind of an ideal client, who would that be? Um, Or a a type of client that you work with the best?
1: Yeah, it's really kind of uh, the type of, the type that I really enjoy with are the ones that have that, have that passion, right? Have, have just, they, they, they have it and they just, you know, they're just bursting and they've tried a bunch of stuff, but maybe they're just, running into something. And those are the, to me, that's, that's the best because, you know, there's just this energy, this, this water behind the dam that's just waiting. And it's so rewarding when you can just find that, you know, that, that little, that little break that then that water can, can rush through. And, and um, so that's, that's kind of my, my favorite.
0: You know, it's so important. And I didn't realize the importance of having, Somebody there to kind of guide you through these processes until I started working with people. And it's, it's impossible. Well, I won't say impossible. It's really hard to get out of your own way because you can't see your own blind spots. And so it's sometimes just having somebody talk you through some of that is the most important thing you can do for your business.
1: Yeah, that's why I say even even if it's just a, a couple hours, you know, check-in a month. And and you can get this type, you know, from a good mentor network, you know, kind of thing, whether it's just you have lunch with with somebody. And and I, I think it's the other thing is you surround yourself with with just kind of like-minded um people that are at different place places in the journey, and you might sync up with somebody who's Who's a bit farther down the path than than you are and you can you can check in with them and and have a breakfast or a lunch or or something and and just reflect and bounce things off and 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 learn from them and then in turn you know you kind of pass that uh you pass that on to to other people in that situation I'm a big believer in in that in that networking and you know and giving back to to your network and the the nice thing is, is, you know, you just naturally um, gravitate towards certain people and, and you have things that they can learn from you and, and they have stuff to teach you. And that's just one, I think that, special great things about, about life is that, that whole process of, of, you know, that law of attraction and, and how, how we do seek out the teachers that, that we need. And, and sometimes seeking them out, we realize that, that we're the teacher in that situation.
0: Yeah. That's so important to, to understand is that, you know, we, we seek out what we need and, and sometimes we're the teacher, because I, I can tell you, there's so many, so many times that I've been in that situation and it takes me back to something that you said previously, where you said that sometimes your experience chooses you. And I think that that's the same in this situation. Like you end up in the places that you're supposed to be with the people that you're supposed to be working with, but you can't end up there if you don't put yourself out there to begin with.
1: Yeah, that's so That's so true. And and just trusting that that whole you know, that process of, of, of life. And, you know, even sometimes when we, when we get frustrated and, you know, we start with the shoulds or oh, it shouldn't be, you know, I shouldn't have to be dealing with this. I shouldn't, you know, this shouldn't have happened. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. Um, but we just have to take that step and kind of that, that check with ourselves and, and that awareness and say, you know, but I am, I am here and I am faced with this and this has come my way and I have to trust that it's happened for the reason that there's something for me to learn there's another person that I'm supposed to help there's there's a reason and to just be aware in the moment and the things that are happening and you know, all, all the dark clouds do pass, uh, after a while, you know, we can't fight them. We just have to be aware in the moment and, and work our way through.
0: So as far as your company's concerned, they can find you at trubello.com and I'll post mm-hmm. that link in the show notes. Is the majority of your content individual one-on-one based web based or a combination of both?
1: Yeah. Com- combination of, of both. Um, It's mostly, um, uh, you know, mostly work with people uh, either face-to-face or do a lot virtually. Um, Do offer, you know, a a free um, two-hour consultation just, you know, to, to just acquaint ourselves with each other, understand, you know, kind of convey some, some just principles and different things. And then if there's some interest, we can, we can go from there. So I think it's a good, uh, you know, that's just, I, I like to do that because I like to meet people. I like to hear their story. And then I'm pretty upfront about hey, you know, here's what I think, you know, and if it's interesting, then we can kind of forge out a forge a path.
0: Perfect. Well, I'll go ahead and post the link, like I said, in the show notes so that people can track you down there. As far as your book, is Amazon the best place for them to find that? Or is there another place that? Anywhere Anywhere
1: books are books are sold. I mean, uh, any of your local bookstores always like to, um, plug, uh, plug our lo- local stores. Cause a lot of people don't realize the amount of, of bookstores is growing, even with, you know, the dominance, and uh, our perceived dominance that Amazon has on the, on the book market, uh, you know, more bookstores open every year. So, you know, it's important to, you know, support our communities and our bookstores, but anywhere books are sold, you can, they can order my, my titles or, you know, if if you want a signed copy, I do have uh, on my writing website by Cooper b y c o o p e r dot com. I do have uh, where you can buy copies and and have them signed and personalized and and shipped out to you as as well. So, you know, wherever you usually buy books, you can you can find them.
0: Awesome, and I really like what you said about bookstores because I know that the, there was a point in time where bookstores was where it was at. And then we went to a society that loved convenience and it was Amazon. And Mm -hmm. now we're getting back into the experience-based idea. And I love seeing the bookstores that are coming out and like combining the sale of books with like an experience, like a, a coffee shop slash bookstore where you can like just go in and have this full reading experience. I think that's really cool.
1: Yeah, it's, there is some just amazing, amazing stores out there. And one of the things that um, I'm starting to record now is a a podcast called The Store Next Door. And it's focused on exactly what you just described. It's linking up with booksellers. And they come on the show and they kind of talk about that, you know, what got them to be a bookseller, what their store is about, how they differentiate, you know, from, from other stores. And they're all so unique. And they've had to be creative to find a way to to survive, but the, the product is, is, is really great. So, you know, there'll be a lot of those episodes coming out. So that's a a neat way to, to find out about different stores in different parts of the country. And if you, if you're out traveling and you know, you pop in and, and you see these, these different stores, it's kind of a fun, uh, you know, uh, fun thing to do when you're traveling too, because you can also run into a lot of great things along the way
0: yeah absolutely. And is that podcast up and running yet, or are you still in the launch phase?
1: no there's a, there's one up on and it's the store next door is the is the website store the store next door and uh, there's also a link on my website for it. Uh, so yeah, I'm just doing a lot of the recording now and we'll start putting out some more try to do one a month you know for for this year.
0: Perfect. Well, this is the more than corporate podcast, and we deal a lot with kind of defining your own idea of success and figuring out your own path in life. so um, I ask every single one of my guests what success how do you define success what does it mean to you, and has that changed for you throughout your life
1: i 've also always had a clear picture of of what I wanted to do um, but it 's been more of a, a destination you know being being an author but my vision of success has always been, you know, my having that future and my nature, um, what I'm doing both aligned. And to me, that's, that's success when you're, you're, you know, what you're dreaming about is also what you're doing. And that's synced up with, with who you are.
0: That's amazing. And I love that you said that it's a destination because so much of it is. And I think that so many of the problems that people experience with trying to feel successful or looking successful to outward individuals and they don't feel successful is because they think that there's an end game to it. And unfortunately, there's not.
1: Yeah, because every journey, you know, has to have a destination. Otherwise, you're just kind of wandering around. Right. So that's where I say you, you, I've always had a destination in mind, but all the, you know, all the cool stuff happens all, along the way. And, you know, maybe that destination will, will change. Um, and, you know, there's different things that that come up. But, uh, you know, you, you got to have some point uh, on the horizon that that you're aiming for.
0: Absolutely. So before we end, I would love to do a quick random round, let everybody get to know you a little bit more if you're okay with that. Mm -hmm. All right. What profession other than your own, do you think it would be fun to attempt?
1: Oh, I would love to be a, a singer, a singer songwriter.
0: Are you musical at all? Or is that just like this desire, hope? dream?
1: I, you know, I play acoustic guitar, probably, I guess you, I wouldn't even say I'd probably say poorly. You know, my cat uh, really enjoys <laughs> my cat. My cat seems to enjoy, but um, yeah, my fingers just aren't the most, uh, have that dexterity, but I really, I really like it. So at some point, you know, I would love to uh, overcome kind of the, the fear of just playing on my couch to, to, uh, to getting out there and doing it.
0: That's awesome. I can totally relate to that. I play the piano poorly and I've tried to learn the guitar multiple times and going from the piano to the guitar is so different because both my hands want to move. Um, and so it's a yeah. never ending struggle. Um, yeah.
1: And people always will ask me, you know, Oh, play the song, play that song. And it, what's hard for me is, I mean I play it so much just because it's very relaxing for me and the minute that there's other people involved, I become very anxious because then it's about entertaining them. So I think that's kind of the blocker for me as I just enjoy from a relaxation, almost like a meditation type, type activity.
0: That's a good point. If you could time travel, where would you go and why?
1: Is it, can I go forward or back?
0: You can go anywhere you want.
1: I would probably go like 50 years in the future. Just to, just to see what the world, or no, I would probably go more, because I'll probably, no, I will, probably won't be alive in 50 years, but I would want to go to a point, because so much has changed in our lives, just the technology, uh, technological advances that have happened, I, I just, and the rate that they're happening, I can't believe uh, you know that's happened, so I can't imagine in 50 years, in 100 years. So definitely go in the future. Wouldn't have to stay long. I just want to get a glimpse.
0: I like it. Of what personality trait for you has been most helpful for you in your success?
1: Just uh, determination. Just, you know, what, like one boss I had along the way, you know, he, he would say to me, Douglas, we don't take no for an answer. So uh, that's always stuck with me because I've always just pushed pushed through and, you know, had just that that uh drive to to just keep going. So there's a lot of places along the way I could have stopped and, and I haven't. So I'd have to say the drive.
0: Love it. Um are you a reader of physical books or do you like listening to books?
1: I read. Um I I like to read because I'm more visual, um, which probably most of my ex-girlfriends would would support that my my listening <laughs> skills are, are are not where they they need to be um, so I'm definitely more visual and I'm probably reading more um, you know more uh, ebooks I read more ebooks now and a lot of that's just convenience because I read so much and I you know can have on one device you know however many books that I that I need so it's just really convenient to to, to have that.
0: Yeah. It's definitely nice to be able to carry a full library with you in a small device.
1: Yeah. And even though you're not supposed to, it's, you know, read those in bed before you go to sleep. Cause something to do with the the light and the, your eyes or, or whatever, but I don't have any problems sleeping. So I just love reading <laughs> in the dark and then just dropping it over next to me and going to sleep. Uh, so, so that's kind of a nice feature as well.
0: I like it. If you could suggest a book to anybody to read, what would it be?
1: Oh, um, let's see. Good. Um, what would it be? I'll tell you the book that I, I um, just read, which has um, been my favorite book that, that I read lately. It's called Set uh, the Controls for the, for the Heart of Sharon Tate um set the controls for Sharon Tate and it's um it's just such a quirky interesting novel and it's like the 50th anniversary of all that recently so it kind of got me into looking back at that whole late 60s you know when all the Manson stuff and and everything so it I really kind of enjoyed that so that's kind of the best thing that I've read lately.
0: That's amazing. Um, and then I'm a music nerd, so I always have to know what is like your pump up song. What song motivates you right now?
1: So what I listen to the most and what I just have love is forties music.
0: Okay. And
1: I, you know, I can tell you looking back, I don't know when it happened. I think I was doing some research for, um, for uh, Investment Club which is set in Vegas and I was looking for some different music and I started really getting into Billie Holiday you know which is kind of my probably out of my favorite which spans many decades but as I started listening to more of her and I kind of got into some 40s music and then you know just for some reason, that that music is is kind of my go-to whether I'm working or or driving. I just uh, I just love that. I mean, it's just it's it's there's just something about it that just I connect with.
0: Awesome, and last but definitely not least, if anybody wants to connect with you, what is the best way for them to do that?
1: Yeah, I'm on all the social media platforms, so you know, really uh, probably f- focus more. You know, I have Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter are probably most, but I'm on uh, Pinterest. My website has, you know, all the, all the links. Um, so really, I, I'm, I am active on, on all of them because everybody has their different, you know, their different preference. So I try to stay involved on, on all of them. So I, I would just say probably the so, social media, um, which all the links are on my website.
0: Perfect. And your, um, your by Cooper website or your Trebello website?
1: Yeah, but my by Cooper, uh, by Cooper has all my, more of my, my writing author stuff. And then Trubelo has more of the business, uh, profiles.
0: Perfect. Well, I will again, post all of those in the show notes and I really appreciate you taking the time to come on and chat with us. Um, I hope that the listeners run out and grab your book and enjoy it. And I will certainly be checking it out. So I will let you know what I think.
1: Thank you, can I just ask you one question absolutely so as a music nerd right what what's what's your song what's your go to music?
0: Oh my gosh, it changes so much for me, but I actually wake up to music because I am a um, i'm a serial snoozer and I won't wake up if it's not something I enjoy. So right now I actually wake up to a playlist of Alicia Key's underdog and mm-hmm. um Jesse J's masterpiece and then Carrie Underwood's the champion. So all three of those things wake me up in the morning and they kind of set my day.
1: I love I love this the serial snoozer.
0: Yeah. Oh it's yeah. bad. And like <laughs> multiple alarm clocks throughout my house. And it doesn't matter. Like I'll sleep through it all. And I've tried the like alarm clock on the other side of the room and I just unplug it. Like it doesn't work, but music gets me up and going. So.
1: Yeah. And you know, the, uh, using the Alexa for the alarm clock I've found it is too easy to tell, to shut off.
0: Yes. yes. And I tried, I don't know if you've seen those, um, apps where you have to like perform a task to shut your alarm clock off. And so Mm -hmm. I tried setting it to math and I never knew it was so hard to add two and seven together, but I would get so frustrated because these math questions were so easy and my brain wouldn't work. And then it just kept beeping and somebody was going to die, but I'm the only one in my house. So (laughs) eventually like that had to go.
1: Oh, that's it's great!
0: So frustrating when you realize you can't <laughs> add to ten. Yeah.
1: yeah, and you're like, "What's going on?" Like, I'm, yeah, I think you know. I'm just thinking, "Cereal snoozer." That that's got a good ring to it. Maybe there's a book title in there.
0: There might be. I mean, you should. Well, there we go with the whole thing. You should work on that. But um, yeah,
1: right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, um, I I don't know. That's that's definitely that's if I had a if I had a superpower, that's probably my superpower is cereal snoozing.
1: Well, I just want to say thanks. Uh, Thanks for having me on the show. Really a lot of fun and, um, you know, hope to connect with some of your listeners and feel free if you know we didn't answer a question you got some just reach out to me and I'm always happy to happy to chat.
0: Will do. Um, it's been a pleasure um, talking to you and I appreciate you taking the time to be on the show. Also, if you are ever back in the Vegas area and want to grab coffee or connect um, in person, let me know. I always love meeting new people.
1: Oh, absolutely. Thank you.
0: Will awesome. Do. Have a fantastic evening.